Hello, 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 hell, how long, how long, how long am I supposed to say hello for? Uh, two more minutes. Two more minutes. Okay, here we go. And can I take a breath in the middle, or does it all have, like straight two minutes? It's straight two minutes, if you can. I mean, Taylor's worked up over the years that he can just go for like ten solid minutes with no breathing. He's the yodeling kid in the Walmart of our generation. That's what we've been saying forever. Hello, nerds, and welcome to the Superhero Hour Hour, the only podcast on the internet that brings you reviews, news, and all the slews you need to get the science in screaming to flex those nuts on the seminal Fox hit show, Comic Book Properties. My name's Ryan, and with me as always is Mike. Uh, Grade A for effort and application. And execution. I miss the slews. I, we used to slews so much, and there hasn't been slews in years. Yeah, I mean, it's a word that rhymed with other words we used, and so it, we just made it a thing. Yeah, and then we just let it die. Just fade into non-existence. So, uh, Taylor's not here, Mike. Thank God. Greg's not here. There's no unnatural 20s girls. It's, it's just me and you here. Just back to basics. And what, like, what are the things that you want to see different in today's episode? Uh, I would like to talk about the OC a lot, probably. Uh-huh. Okay. And not get screamed at by Taylor. And, yeah, how about just bring it up? Because it does come up in conversation organically, constantly, with all people, not just the two of us. And how about when it comes up organically, we bring it up and, yeah, not get verbally abused. Right. I'm, I'm, yeah, let's, let's get rid of all the verbal abuse. Everybody who writes in is always like, Mike and Ryan are so nice. I can't believe Taylor and Greg could do and say the things they do and say to them. Not just on air, but like in their tweets. Yes. And on their Instagrams. It's always just shit talking to us. And we're blocked. So it has to, other people do let us know, which is, you know what? Uh, one, don't be a snitch. Two, that's hurtful. I would have known the mean things they were saying about us online if you didn't show us. And we definitely prefer that, right? Like, we're not the people who want to know who is shit-talking us. No, everybody's like, oh, my imagination is so much more in reality. No, either I'm not that imaginative or those two are such cruel dirtbags that my imagination is not worse than the reality of what they say. Yeah, my imagination says that everyone loves us and thinks we're the best and can't stop saying that to mm-hmm. each other. Only in your imagination. That's what, that's what doesn't happen uh, as often as it should, where you just go up to somebody... And compliment somebody who isn't there, and then walk away from that person. Would that fuck with your day? I mean, yeah. If I had, if I didn't know who that person was, yes, yeah. I think that that would. A be A stranger weird. walks up and it's like, "Hey, Ryan, producer Dave makes some really good points, and you should be nice to him about baseball and just walk off." Well, that's going to be weird, even if I know the person. Like, no one's going to think that about producer Dave. It it's weird no matter what, but it is weirder if you've never seen that person in your life. I do like the fact that uh, there's only two of us. We could use more people on Superhero because there's just you know not enough to talk about. Uh, we have spots here. Producer Dave is here in the booth, uh, not coming in. We are not going to give him a microphone. No, we locked the door with three deadbolts, but then gave our long list of guests keys to get in through those deadbolts. Dave just can't figure it out. It's another door. It's a right. door on the other and side it- of the studio. And he doesn't even think about the fact that it's locked from his side. Like, he could unlock it and come in. But he just sees the locks, and he's like, well, they should be locked then. He respects the lock, and that's what I respect most about Dave. He'll never break a lock. Fences only keep out uh, non-criminals, is, I think, the phrase. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. Why do they never go further than why have any laws, you idiots? You fucking jags. 
You're arguing for a lawless so society. We have a, we have a very special show tonight. Um, the end of the fucking world is back, it's, and yeah. this is a weird show for us because we forgot to cover it for the first season, uh-huh. um, and so we watched it real quick uh, months after it came out, and then now we're back to doing it week by week, an equally stupid way of doing it. And yeah, I've the way we watched it before, I didn't realize it was a 20-minute long show. It's like somehow even shorter than a normal half-hour sitcom. Yeah, I like, according to the internet, nobody has just watched one episode. Like, everybody who has watched one had then watched the other side. I understand why, and we'll dig in that in that segment, but uh, we did, baby. We're talking about the first 20 yeah, let, minutes. Let's stop talking about that show for sure, because we have a 15-minute segment coming up about the 22-minute episode. <laughs> um, so, uh, why don't we, I want to get to it, but before that, let's do a super serious Shushi Bullpen. Welcome back to the uh, super serious shishi bullpen. This is where we uh, we like we're supposed to like get crazy and let our hair down. Yeah, I think we get crazy, let our hair down, and then suddenly have a segment with more rules than anything else in this show. <laughs> okay, so yeah, there's nothing crazy, and we cannot let our hair down, Mike. You and I both were born with the gift of like uh, sticking straight up, sort of like eraser head hair. It doesn't mm-hmm. come down. John Raffio is based on us. <laughs> Cool. That's something we should definitely brag about. <laughs> In a lot um, of hurtful ways. 2019 is over soon, and I can't believe I'm going to say this to you, Mike, but uh, we still have seven weeks left. No more comic book movies in 2019. Yeah. It, th- does this feel, and I know Endgame came out this year. Is that a true statement? Uh, I think so. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Even with like the biggest comic book event of... Our generation happening this year. It feels like the lightest the year Joker. of comic book movies ever. Yeah, uh, the lightest se- year. Those two movies. <laughs> that seems crazy to me. Um, we should ask like uh, our parents about that. Because as far as other people besides us are concerned, um, it, they're the only movies that come out. But So for, to them, just no movies came out this year? Yeah. I think it's uh, comic book movies and uh, Always Be My Maybe. Those are That was everything that came out. It's not a bad year. What we're going to do is we're going to look. I I know I'm supposed to watch it. That's what everybody says. Uh, What we're going to do is we're going to start prepping for 2020, which is not hindsight yet, but will be in like a year and a half. And we're going to talk about the comic book movies that are coming out. But, Mike, because we can't ever just have a normal conversation, what we're going to do is we're going to have a draft. And uh, we're going to select our teams. And once that movie is taken, the other person not can't put it on their team can never see that movie. That's it. They're done. Never, like, and, like, is it a tauntine? Like, if you find out I do see a movie you drafted 20 years from now, you come and get to kill me? I come and get to kill you, yes. And I come and get to kill you with flicks into your eyeball. I'm going to flick you into your o- in your open eye until you die. The slowest of deaths. Uh-huh. So, we didn't talk about who's going first. I think that I should, Yes. I think you should. I also think if anybody wanted to play along while they're listening, is there like a master list somewhere they can go to to look? No. Okay. Okay. So I am going with because I like I'm not sure. I don't think that I like was able to find all of them, but I I have enough to beat you at least. And I'm going to go with the one that I feel like is going to be the most important and the one that I'm most curious about. 
I can't believe that the Eternals is going to be a thing, but I don't. Mm-hmm. I I think that we're at the point where they wouldn't just make something stupid. This is not going to be the Inhumans, right? Like they're going to pull out all the stops and they're going to make this awesome. And I think this is going to be the next thing we care about, uh, a la Guardians of the Galaxy. I agree. I think it's insane. People are like, "Well, I've never even heard of it. Why do I care?" You just picked out Rocket Raccoon, guys. The fucking galaxy. I think they're right. They're even more careful with properties we don't know about than ones we do. And yeah, we proved that it doesn't matter to us. And so if Chloe Zhao, director of the writer, um, you know, wants to tell the story, then she absolutely should, regardless of whether or not we've heard of them. Yes, my favorite movie. Uh, So Eternals is off the board, Mike. Where are you going to go? What movie are you going to pick that I can never see? All right, that was a good fucking pick. I'm going to try not to be mad. I'm going to, uh, we, we are, we celebrate every comic company, right? But we are straight out of the house of ideas as kids. Yes, we do not like the distinguished competition as much as Marvel. We don't, and comics, and certainly not in movies, but one of the, the movies I'm most excited about next year, and I want to nab up because I think uh, DC is turning it around and this is going to continue that train, is Birds of Prey. Birds of Prey? Or the fantabulous emancipation of the one and only truly yours, Harley Quinn. I got to say, Mike, I kind of wanted to see this movie. Now you never get to. Do you know what's sad about this uh, method is you're who I see most of these movies with. Yeah. Actually, I was kind of like, I I do think that they're on the right track. I skipped Suicide Squad, but this looks like it fixed all the stuff from Suicide Squad. Um, I want to see Birds of Prey. You don't get to. But no, that's fucking bullshit, though, dude. Like, how, like, you can, there's many movies, you can just pick a different movie right now. No, I'm winning, and this makes it almost so much sweeter, because it hurts you. Okay, hold on. There's no, there's no winning here. This is all losing. Um, but, like, let's just be fair about this, okay? I, like, there's other movies that you could pick, and, it, like, you can't just say to me that I can't go see this movie. Ryan, you are legally not allowed. I will have eyes, because the board gives us money to do things like this, I will have eyes on literally every theater in a 100-mile radius around you in the two months the Birds of Prey is in theaters. Then fine, I'll go fucking drive 101 miles to see it. That's how much I want to see this movie, Mike. And I don't give a shit about getting flicked in the eye. Gotcha. I told you 100-mile radius. It's really a 200-mile radius. They all, the, oh, the flickings you will get. I have an Andre the Giant motherfucker, and the flicks he flicks, oh, the pain it'll inflict on you. See, I know you better than you know yourself, and I knew that you would have one trick up your sleeve to say that it was 200 miles, but you wouldn't have a second one, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to drive 201 miles, and I'm going to go see Birds of Prey. Well, have fun driving with cut brake lines, because the minute it comes out, that's what's happening to your car and your wife's car. Oh, the minute it comes out on a Friday? Because I, I will have seen it on a Thursday night. Thank you. No, obviously, Wednesday morning, I'm cutting those brake lines of every car in your neighborhood. Well, I have to get to work on Wednesday. <laughs> nope. So You're going to die. So uh, I'm going to Uber to work on Wednesday. You know what? And I'm not even sure when it comes out. So now I'm going to Uber to work on every Wednesday from here on out. And also, all of my neighbors can't. You, you, do you not know what car I drive? No. Or I, I'm not a car guy. I don't pay attention to that. I know it has wheels. I guess. Or are you nervous that my neighbors are going to give me a ride 300 miles to a movie theater? And if so, yes. y- you don't know the relationship between me and my neighbors very well. No, and I will do everything I can between now and then to ruin it further. 
<laughs> okay. Why don't you tell me about some of the ways that you're going to sabotage me from going to see Birds of Prey while I go online right now and purchase my ticket to see Birds of Prey? You can't. You're locked out. You're locked out of every movie chain for Birds of Prey. Uh, uh, sorry, friendo. I am an AMC Stubbs A-lister, and a part, oh. part of my deal is oh. that I can't be locked out by fucking revenge-filled, tiny, petty little sabotagers. I didn't realize we had the Monopoly man on this show, AMC Stubbs member Ryan. Yeah, that, that's right. I'm one of those people who was like, movie pass, not going to work out. You guys are loving it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to sign up for AMC's a stub list movie list and i will have that way before everybody and when i i drove to the corporate headquarters and i looked the ceo in the eye and the first thing he said was please don't flick me in my eye and i said i would never do that and then i said if i can go see birds of prey and he said you definitely can but he didn't know about this binding contract you're out pick up your whiny whinerson get your next flick he's the ceo of a multi-million dollar corporation he was he's gonna know that this segment was gonna pop up and yet he said what he said even that because what you didn't know is I went a week earlier and paid him off with all that sweet, sweet pop filter board money. They're rolling it. Do you know who? Do you know who's on our board, Ryan? Hmm. We have Mackenzie Bezos. We got the good Bezos. <laughs> we have Billiam Gates. Uh huh. He changed his name to Billiam because that's how much money he has. He's got one billion dollars. Okay, well that's fine. Uh, why don't you? Uh, I'll write down the movie that you picked. You picked uh, Turds of Prey, P R A Y. These are turds of poop that pray to God. And I'm gonna pick Birds of Prey. And now I'm gonna go see Birds of Fucking Prey. That's not how drafts work. Oh, this is why we need Gregor Taylor to bully us. Uh, too bad, bud, because I etched it in stone, and there's no stone eraser. So, oh, do you know what a stone eraser is? Is a water fucking pressure. I just. Etch away your etching, so that's just a different, flatter piece of stone. Okay, so we're going to go through millions of years of, like, destroying the rock with water in order to erase this one turds of prey pick that I didn't even pick. Yeah. You picked turds of prey. Yeah. I will erase literally every stone from existence on this earth, which I know is made of stone. I will kill the world to stop you from seeing this movie. There are 12 other movies that are based on comic books that are coming out. You could stop this right now if you just chose something other than... Never. You got the Eternals. Pick your next one. Uh, we're out of time. <laughs> so we're both seeing one movie. Let's get to the end of the fucking world. That's great. It starts with an earthquake. Birds and snakes and airplane. Lenny Bruce is not afraid. I have a hurricane. Listen to yourself. Turn world to its own needs. Dummy, serve your own needs. Beat it up and not speak. Two years ago, Netflix had a bit of an issue on their hands. They handled the international distribution for a British show called The End of the Fucking World, an eight-episode miniseries about two teenagers who may be a little, as the Brits would say, fogged in the golfers, and it was very successful. There was really only one choice for Netflix, make more, even though the first series seemed to say all it needed to. Now, all eight episodes are here, and we watched the first, which doesn't give us the James and Alyssa we've been waiting two years for, but instead gives us Bonnie. A gopher in her own right. Bonnie fell in love with her professor and started having an affair with him. When, he catch, when she catches him with another woman, she murders the other woman and goes to jail. She gets out of jail only to find that Alyssa and James have killed her professor love, the same one that tried to rape Alyssa at the end of last season. And now the chase is on. Mike, I ask you this. 
whether or not you thought we needed more end of the fucking world, is Bonnie what we needed from the first episode? Yes, because I did not. I, I thought they wrapped it up so perfectly with J- James running and probably getting uh, arrested, and, and and Alyssa very distraught about that. Both of them finally like admitting they don't want to kill each other or other people; they just want to be together. So let's tear them apart and end a show on a great downer. To have it do this, the it said two years later, which remind me that in real life it's been two years, which is insane. Right. And then to rewind 15 years so we get to see Bonnie's whole life, it, it is it really shows the impact these two people had on the rest. Like, anytime you have a protagonist, the audience is kind of automatically on their side. So these kids did some fucked up stuff. So it's interesting to see how that rippled out and affected other people. Not and only to, al- remember, to remember how fucking dirtbag dog shit that professor was. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Was, like... He he he's just like cursed with a face, right? Where like this is only the sort of like the only character he's going to be able to play for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. I mean, he looks like a rat that came to life, and that's a bummer. Yes, he <laughs> he looks like. Did you ever see Dragonheart? With Sean Connery as the dragon. Jo- Sean Connery, the the guy who played the prince turned evil because him and the dragon switched hearts. But of course, he turned evil. Look at his fucking rat fink face, and that's the same face this guy has. Is that the one where Sean Connery was all like, you're the dragon now, dog? Yes. And he was I'm, talking to a dog. <laughs> and then they switched hearts, and it was crazy. Um, I, I like it for a couple reasons. One, it reminds me of this thing that happened when I was a kid where uh, we were, in one week, supposed to find out who Cartman's dad was. Mm-hmm. And then when we tuned in a week later, it was a 30-minute Terrence and Phillips special and did not mention that shit at all. And <laughs> the fucking country lost their minds. Like... We all went Rick and Morty fanboy idiot crazy. Uh-huh. L- luckily, there was no like Twitter to like uh, use as a platform. Um, so we do not get the James that we want. We get Alyssa for three seconds at the end, and it looks like she's about to get married. I'm going to guess probably not to James. Probably not. There's going to be a graduate, a murdery graduate. <laughs> where he stabs the big window and it shatters. Yeah, just over and over and over again. Um, and then we get Bonnie, which is... Sort of the show's way of saying, I think, that like what we're good at is taking these people that uh, like society sort of forgets about. Society treats them as two-dimensional people because they're a little bit off, and so does TV and movies. So they also TV and movies will say like, "Oh, you're a psychopath, or you have psychopathic tendencies, therefore you're a two-dimensional villain." And right. instead, what we get is thirty minutes of not. Th- not thinking that Bonnie is in the right and does good things, but painting the picture of an interesting three-dimensional character like we got last season. Yeah, I'm so ready to hang out with Aunt Bonnie for the next seven episodes, and maybe this is how I felt about James and Alyssa, but uh, to tell a 20-minute just tragedy the way they did, they set up her entire life of like uh, a tiger mom who just pushes her into everything to the point that the dad leaves. The mom is so intense the dad leaves, which is always a shitty dad move. Take the kid with you. Uh and then when she hits the real world, maybe being great in school doesn't prepare you for everything. And she has a fine job. She's a librarian at a university. But because what her mom's done to her and the world has done to her, she's broken uh, and either lashes out or clings to the wrong kind of attention now. Well, you say what the mom and the world does to her. And I, I, I got to say that uh, and like, I hate to push back against you or argue with you at all. Like That is not why we're here. We're, here to, we're here to get along. Uh, and I want to get along at a certain point on some episode where all of our words are exactly the same and we just say them synchronized. Sure. Not, not there yet. Um, 
I think that this episode did a really good job of showing a mom that was not the best mom, but similar to a parent that we've all had, and the dad as well. This was not, I'm going to chain Bonnie to the radiator when she's eight and like kick her in the face abusive. This is pretty commonplace abusive. Right. Yeah, and that's what this show does well, is to show you, highlight how well like normalized behavior is fucked up. Because the mom is, she's eight, and she's crushing... Uh, national or like international capitals and she gets one wrong after getting five right and the mom looks so devastatingly disappointed she says it was she gets the one capital wrong and it's a tough one it's not one that everybody knows fuck you latvia when she said that i was like uh that's where dr doom lives that's not a real country uh she says latvia and then bonnie gets it wrong and then the mom says i feel as though you had punched me in the face that's what I mean, what's worse, punching your kids in the face or saying shit like that to them? I think saying shit like that because eventually you're, you're like, oh, they shouldn't have punched me in the face. You get through – that's day one of therapy. But this kind of stuff, it, it's it's like the snake that wraps around the Norse earth. It fucking eats at everything at the roots, and you don't realize how much damage it's done. Right. But I think that the unspoken spoken here is that the parents were bad in their own ways. But what also happened this week is that I watched this documentary – about Ooh. yeah well maybe we'll talk about it later but i don't know if you saw it but it's about this blonde girl who uh is nervous that she has in her dna being a serial killer and so she takes a test and learns that no she is actually a, a serial killer and the cgmhg I, gene oh man you can't have the serial killer gene that's gonna fuck you up she's got that one gene uh, let's maybe we'll get to that later uh but i think that what it's saying is that uh bonnie didn't have the best parents but was also born different you know right. and had these tendencies that uh, needed to be worked on and nurtured and not have parents where they said, instead of seeing who you are and helping you, the person you are, I'm going to mold the per- you into be- to be like the person that I want you to be. I wonder if the show is very purposely, like the show is called The End of the Fucking World. And maybe like the first season you're like, oh, that's just to teenagers. That's what they feel like everything is. But it's not an apocalypse show, but I wonder, with these parents, with Bonnie, and with the professor, and getting to know he's more than just a rapey murderer. It's just what we thought for the few seconds we met him in the first season. Like, we get to see all the ways he's a piece of shit. I wonder if the show is, its thesis is, we are in the end of the fucking world because people as a whole are all shitty and bad to each other in all these different nuanced ways. Right, and people are bad because they're misunderstood, and then people treat each other bad because while they're being misunderstood, they're also misunderstanding everybody else. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of chaos. The, the professor, so she's working at the library. She, I think because a guy says that's a good book about a philosophy book, she starts going to the university's philosophy class. And the president is, the, the professor is a prick. His, he says, people have earned the right to come to my class. You have not. By paying money, I guess that's what, like, she was hurting nobody. It's, oh, it was such a classist bolt. Mmm, this fucking rat fake fake. And they, like, we start the episode on the, we already know the professor is a terrible person because uh, he's a rapist. But then we get a different idea about how he's also a terrible professor because he does the thing. The thing, which, guys, if you're a teacher out there, you think it will work, please don't do it. Uh, take your textbook and either rip up the pages or throw it out the door throw it out the window because that's just i'm going to show you what like a crazy outside of the box professor i am by doing the one fucking fake ass renegade professor thing it's not outside of the box that now is the box yeah think outside the box get taco bell having <laughs> if you're in the mood for a fourth meal i don't know 
if you want to be an outside of the box professor, tell your students to buy textbooks and then use them. That's now. That's, that's now insane. that. Yeah. Um, and so he is not good at being a human or his job. Like he, it, like we learned over the course of this episode that he's not a great professor that went that like broke bad. He's a piece of shit person who mm. became a professor so he could manipulate people. Right, because it's just an intrinsic power position that you're always around younger, naive people. And if nobody is young or naive enough, then you can find a person who is going after what you should be teaching and break them. Because what wins him over is after he says she's not allowed in the class, she shits on a poster and his book. And he just knows, I bet that was that dead-eyed girl at the library. <laughs> um, there is shit on the poster. She says that, yes, that is human feces on his poster, but when he asks her if it's hers, she says, maybe. <laughs> so so we, we don't know. Um, but yeah, I wonder if when he goes into, like, up to her in the library and says that you don't belong in my class, was that just like his extreme elitism classism coming through, or was it a grooming mechanism? Mm-hmm. And if it's the first one, it's, it, I guess it's just then a happy accident that it then became a grooming mechanism. Right, yeah, he definitely feels like somebody who read the game where you're going to wear big peacocky furry hats and neg people. So I could see it being that, that he's going to break her, and he did. And then every step of the way, like, he says all this bullshit stuff that only works because she has the issue she has. Because at a certain point after fucking and giving her money uh, for a taxi, uh, he goes, I could fall in love with you. Yeah. Not yet, but I, I, I could. And just like... There's no emotion in his voice to a normal person, to a typical person that would not affect them, or I, it would affect, make them pissed. I'd like to think that he accidentally stumbled into doing this all, all this gaslighting and manipulation to someone who happens to unfortunately have you know some psychopathic tendencies. But what I actually think is these people sort of have this radar for it. They mm-hmm. seek out kids like this who uh, they're already close to broken. And then I'll break them totally by, like, tr- like, attempting to fix them. And then they just walk away and leave everything in the dust, which is more ripple effect, like you were talking about before. Right. And yeah, because now this is, sending, this is all setting Bonnie on her own murderous path. Uh, the two, like, heartbreaking things with her reaction to him is a, a few uh, sexual encounters later, she just says, has it happened yet? And he, like, the audience is like, what? She's like, the love. Has it happened? You said it could happen. And he, he, like, bites his knuckle and goes, maybe. I think it might be about to. You know how love works. You can feel it coming, but it's right. not really there yet. It's like a math problem. You've almost figured it out, and then you figure it out. And then you're like, oh, yeah, this is it. Um, but if you're 19 and come from, like, a broken home, um, you're going to think, oh, my God. He said that he's almost there. This mm-hmm. means everything to me. I'm going to hang in here. And then, and then the, when- Go ahead. Uh, when she said, uh, I used to feel like I wasn't real, like her explanation to him, like of why this is all working for her. That line fucking has echoed in my brain all week. It, it's tragic. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing that makes people like this professor just like stand at attention. Like, yes, I have found the perfect person because she says shit like that. So I am going to destroy her. Um, mm-hmm. And then Bonnie does another classic thing uh, for people in this situation where uh, she sees the professor with another girl. Um, and gets mad at him, but then he says, oh, no, I didn't do anything. It's all rumors. She's spreading rumors about me, and she sa- and Bonnie says, oh, then it's 100% the girl's fault and not the boy's fault at all. Right? That is achingly real. 
And then kills her. And then kills her. Hits her with a car. It's really gross. And who the the girl like her face? We don't we don't ever get dialogue from the girl, but her face uh, post drink with the professor seems like something horrific happened on the video camera of the professor. It's people being raped and tortured, and it it's heavily hinted that happened to her. And even that run she is going on seems to be like she's trying to like run away, like live her normal life, just like run out of this uh, emotional turmoil. And then Bonnie kills her. It's definitely becoming a trope in on TV and movies that when you are attacked, then you start running. Like, Big Little Lies hit it hard, where um, Shiley Woodley would run constantly, and then she would think about her assault and then run even harder. Um, but yeah, the face that this girl, the second girl that uh, is murdered has, is definitely... She, she is probably... She probably doesn't have those genes that Bonnie does, and so she realizes right away how fucked up this situation was. Yes. So we got to Are see you... both of those reactions. It's great. It's the best. It's super uplifting uh, because it, it's it's just so out there. That's what I like. Is it, it, It's all like there's superpowers. This couldn't ever happen in real life. So it's just a nice escape from reality, this show is. Yeah. And, I mean, we're going to do this episode by episode for the rest of the eight-episode run. And somewhere in our pull list, this show is going to be wedged in between talking about uh, – all these children, and you know, is the Flash still running fast? What we're gonna have to deal with James and Alyssa and Bonnie and all of their tortured, fucked up past. I will say because they all have very three different uh, oddball personalities, and oddball I think is the scientific term. Uh, I'm I'm excited for the three of them to meet and go on a weird adventure together. Yeah, I mean, we can make some predictions that everybody else already knows the answer to. But um, do you think this will be a classic comic book thing? of meeting halfway through the season and then fighting crime together? I really do. Yeah, I think it's going to be three young kids murdering up some stupid-ass adults. It could be like the Killing Eve thing of like cat and mouse but love each other and are obsessed with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, The problem is that we're not talking about um, three super competent people like we were with Killing Eve. There's not a lot to love, so uh, I don't know if we're going to go that route. Or we could just get the three of them meeting in the eighth episode. That would be kind of infuriating. I think they're gonna. I think Bonnie and Alyssa are gonna be episode two. Also, we don't know if it's the three of them, Mike. Ooh. Do you, I mean? Are we thinking that James survived that gunshot? I think so. I mean, it just Netflix. Everything's a spoiler now, uh, and Netflix's thumbnail is the three of them standing in the woods. Right. Yeah, that's so a big one. Maybe James is a ghost and just gives helpful advice now. Does it look like that all three of them were there when the picture was taken? Or is it three very superimposed people uh, at three very separate photo shots? None of them were ever even in that woods. They even photoshopped the woods behind them. Well, End of the Fucking World is now on Netflix. We're going to do it week by week. Mike, um, were you pissed that they had a second season? And are you stoked for what we are in store for? Yes and yes. Not pissed, but it felt like, why? And then watching, I'm like, I'm back in. I, I like the tone. And like we've said a lot lately, which feels nice, is it just breaks up the, the capes and tights shit. It does. Yeah, we're in a special position where, again, we're, it's called Superhero Hour Hour, but it's comic books, not superheroes. Um, and because this is a little break from the Berlantiverse, that, that part's nice. And two, yeah, what I realized was that it's not... Like, I thought that James and Alyssa's story may be done, and so I was kind of bummed. But watching this episode, I realized that what I loved about the first season was, like, yeah, their tone, their their storytelling, like, their very original uh, choices that they make 
mm-hmm. uh, when they're storytelling, and now we have eight more episodes of that. So cool. What it, what it feels like is so many times there's been so many like Tarantino and Cohen ripoffs. This feels like creators liked those kinds of creators, and instead of doing the same thing, they just figured out what worked for those people and then nailed their own. Right, and still it's awesome. Still dressed Alyssa and James as Clarence in Alabama at the end. Um, yeah. And that was still okay. Like, they were still on this side of not mm-hmm. stealing everything, you know? Awesome. I'm excited for the rest of the season. Uh, when we come back, the rest of the shows. Now we're here in the poll list where we talk about every other show that came out during the last week. Mike, Watchmen came out. This week on Watchmen, we find out what happened to Silk Spectre as Lori Blake runs an FBI sting on vigilantes. She then gets sent to Tulsa to investigate Judd's death. Meanwhile, Adrian is reined in by a mysterious figure known as the Game Warden when he tries to hunt Buffalo. Taste Ryan, I ask you this. How did the framing device of the Manhattan call box work, and what do you think it's trying to do here? I thought it was great for a couple of reasons. Uh, One, Gene Smart is... So Regina King, best actress, Shishi. Gene Smart, best supporting actress, Shishi. Mm -hmm. Right now. I'm just going to call it. Preach it, brother. Um, And to telling jokes, like prefab jokes is hard. Uh, Telling stories is hard. And how just how she does it. How like she kept our eyes glued to that screen as she tells a joke, Mike, and then fucks it up. And then says, you know what? Let me tell you another one. And that fucked up joke, which, you know, it's happened to all of us when we have told a joke, uh, will never come into play again. Um, we're just glued to watching her talk because she's perfect at the pacing and the pauses and the acting. Because what Gene Smart embodies the thing we want all good actors to do is more than one thing at a time. And what right. she's doing in the call box is trying to distract herself from the murder investigation and her entire life. Uh, try to not be in love with Dr. Manhattan while still showing it. Uh, changing which one of her parents has influenced her in her life because it used to be her mom, the original Silk Spectre, and now it's the comedian, her dad. It took her, took his last name. Yeesh. It's 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 crazy, and I, I don't think more pe- most people couldn't do what Gene Smart does in that little blue room. But yeah, like uh, the whole Doctor Manhattan relationship, and I don't. We're not going to know what it's like to watch this having never read the book. So email us and tell us if this episode was confusing or stupid. But uh, watching her in love with a person that she doesn't want to be in love with but also convince him that she isn't any longer, Mm -hmm. but also in the background convince him that she still kind of is, but not, but is, but not, to the, uh, to essentially a god. Like, that's the other thing that she's doing, is that she's in a uh, Catholic confession thing. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, shit. Shit! To this this show's version of God. Yes. Holy, I did not put that together. Uh, Her introduction was awesome. So she's gets robbed or she's in a bank and the bank gets held up and then a batman looking motherfucker comes in and it turns out uh gene smart is in the fbi the burglars in the fbi the woman who's a hostage is in the fbi and she goes uh batman tries to run away and then she just straight up shoots him and then like a junior person on the team is like oh how'd you know his body armor would stop the bullets and she's like what like she does not give a shit <laughs> anybody who does the things she used to do as a kid she just looks so down upon now but she does it both with her uh shoot first ask questions later and her non-stop bantery dialogue as if she were a superhero uh-huh. 
she just took off the mask. Like, we've talked for three weeks now about how this show is a lot about masks and what they mean. And there was a ton of the job that she loved. The masks, uh, like, turned their back on her, or she turned her back on them. Mm -hmm. But she is a fucking superhero, straight up. Yeah. With, and, and what's so nice, so many of these shows, and what I mean by these, I think I mean Linda Lofian shows, get so heavy. And Watchmen has been appropriately heavy. But what I love, what Gene Smart's doing here, here's a character who's funny, not just to the audience. In real world, if you were around her not super intimidated by her, she's cracking jokes left and right, and not just the prefab jokes. The way she reacts to literally everybody doing anything is super funny. Yeah, her relationship with, we, we get to meet Petey, Petey. who... We hadn't heard about on the show yet, but if you're on the internet, uh, like looking up Watchmen, then you know that there's the PDpedia, which has uh, like his whole dossier of extra other Watchmen stuff. That's him. I didn't put that two and two together. Right. And so he meets her or like they hang out for the first time. They go on this mission. She chooses him because he's young and a noob and not going to get in her way. He's he comes off as a fanboy. He like calls her out about being a fanboy and she gives him the props of like, damn, that was pretty good. But still, there's not this full level of respect and then uh, uses his body to get laid at the end. Yeah, she she takes out her industrial strength Dr. Manhattan dildo and is just like, no, I can't do that tonight. I'll go. This is what. Yeah, this is what uh, most of the Internet has been talking about is that she pulls out a full on Dr. Manhattan wang. And the thing is, is that I guess it, reading the comic book, we never saw Dr. Manhattan fully erect, uh-huh. but we saw him flaccid a lot and it was pretty small. <laughs> like, I don't know what size, I guess he can get to any size he wanted. He's a god, but. But also like, uh, it came with two, cause it's like a big metal one, two giant metal balls at the end of the, right. <laughs> that look like the, that, the massage balls for you. If you're trying to like work out your hand. Benoit balls. <laughs> um, let's get real quick to, uh, so. This is probably the most Lindelof episode of Watchmen so far because uh, a little bit with Lost and then definitely with The Leftovers, um, they'll say, we have an ensemble show with hundreds of cast members, but this hour is this person's. Mm-hmm. And so this hour is Gene Smart's. And we don't see Angela for like 40 minutes, right. basically. And then after all of the action that we do not have time to talk about, um, Angela and uh, Lori are in this like uh, tomb talking. They're they're hanging out, um, and now we meet. Like we get to see these two ladies together. What did you think of that interaction? That was uh, because like so. Angela is one our viewpoint into this world now, and is a certified badass. But now we have Gene Smart as Lori, who is even more of a badass. And you're like, and she shakes everybody she talks to, and so you're like, oh man, she's gonna rattle Angela a little. And Angela does like it's so fucking smarmy, but so funny. Where she's like, oh, oh no. You're scaring me. <laughs> like, yeah. just like just she a does fake the, whimper. She like Gene Smart goes through her speech. There's a pause, and Angela goes, Ooh, yeah. super scary. And then kicks it up a notch and into like a childish realm where she takes the coffee that uh Lori brought her and then slowly pours it out while making eye contact the whole time. Um it was weird and a little bit cheesy, but I don't I don't think it was bad writing. I think it was Look at how these two professional people that are on sort of opposite sides, they can still act like idiot children mm-hmm. when, when there's a confrontation. In these, all these shows that we watch, confrontations are either full-on knockdown buildings, slugfest, or 
the most baby tantrums you can imagine. Well, even some of the moments that made me fall in love with Lori was baby shit. Because when Looking Glass is oh, supposedly another badass guy, and she just uses his stupid mask as a mirror to pick stuff out of her teeth, yeah. and that's it's that's very childish, but instantly put him in his place. But and that's what's so great about both Lori and Jean Smart is that uh, like. She didn't actually think that she had something in her teeth, guys. That was clearly just to put Looking Glass in his place. But in any other occurrence, I would have rolled my eyes. Right. And with that performance and this character of somebody who has uh, was raised by a superhero and then was a superhero and then is now doing this, it, it all worked perfectly. Do we have time to talk about Adrian Veet? Uh, yeah, let's, let's not talk about Titans, I guess. Yeah. Go. Uh, why do you think... Because they haven't said his name. It's been like, is he? He probably is. They didn't say who he was until this episode. Why do you think, hold us on pins and needles, but not really? I think this is what I will call last Christmas theory. Uh, where uh, When the preview for last Christmas with Khaleesi mm-hmm. came out, everybody watched it and they were like, oh, he's definitely dead. He's like, that boy is dead and it's a ghost and it's a figment of her imagination. And that was the twist at the end. Wow. But there was nothing, there was nothing they could do. The movie was finished. And so they just released it, and that's it. Um, I think that the internet was smarter than they thought we would be, but still, or they, they thought, but uh, that third episode was done, and so we all knew, right. but it was still that moment of, like, signed Adrian Vate. Is Is he, how does he stack up versus the rest of the show right now? Because it's fully isolated. Yeah, um, I am interested to see where the two will connect. But I'm also I also think that I'm okay if they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, this show just has me in its palm, so I'm like I'm ready to accept anything. Yes. Uh, I don't know who the game master is. There's somebody who is like basically his warden. It seems like Adrian is in some sort of really sweet, but also mind numbing prison. Uh-huh. And then there's a game warden who claims that he will fight him. Um, I don't know what that means, and I'm not sure when we're going to get to Adrian and Angela and Lori all together. While sharing tomatoes. They're fighting, but they share tomatoes. Uh, my theory is he's another clone, that Adrian did this. Like, he know he couldn't be on the world stage anymore, so it's like, it's all a game to him. Yeah, and so he created somebody and gave him the power so that Adrian had someone to fight. Right. Like, you, you basically have to create your villain. I agree. Uh, I'm so sorry, Mike. Uh, but we have to talk about Titans a little bit. What is your moment of the week? Uh, I, so I can't just say Jean Smart. Uh, so I'll choose. You can. Uh, but it's her whole episode. Uh, there's so many lines, but I, I'm going to choose the line. Uh, you know how you can tell the difference between a mascot and a vigilante? And Angela says, no. She's going, yeah, me either. Just like the, the throw off. Uh, man, she's so fucking good. Which is a perfect example of what we're talking about because I saw that in the trailer. It was a big line in the trailer, and I thought it, I, it was a little eye rolling. Mm-hmm. But in this episode where you're with uh, Lori for 30 minutes before she says that, now it's like, yeah, damn, that is what Lori would say, and it's fucking dope. <laughs> um, my, I'll use my moment of the week to talk about somebody that we did not get to talk about. Uh, Joe Keen is not great Bob um, from Mad Men. And uh, I love, like, we could, we could have done this whole segment on talking about how the fact that he seems like the nicest, sweetest politician, Pete Buttigieg, like, new like clean cut guy mm-hmm. uh it just makes me think that he is the single worst fucking asshole oh, person sure. on the show it's gonna be terrible watchman is on sundays on hbo we're gonna probably continue to watch it next up is titans 
On last week's episode of Titans, Dick's confession causes the Titans to go their separate ways. Meanwhile, Coriander encounters an unexpected threat. Mike, I ask you this. Coriander is spelled with a missing letter replaced with an apostrophe. It's K-O-R-I-N-D apostrophe R, which is a DC standard for naming aliens. How would your DC alien name be spelled? Which letter are you losing? Uh, I'm going to lose the K in Mike, but there, you have to still pronounce it. So it's M-I apostrophe E. But I will freak out if you don't say Mike. Okay. But you're setting things up so that you can freak out. Uh-huh. You're being a little bit Adrian Vate here because no one will say it correctly just so you can freak out. I'm sorry that I had to come to your planet and learn your language, but you can't just learn my name. How about you? Uh, I think that I would go apostrophe, apostrophe, apostrophe Q. Ooh. Pronounced Ryan? But It's pronounced Ryan. Thank you very much. I'm sorry I had to come to your planet and learn your name. Titans is on Friday nights on the DC streaming thing. Next up, Mike, is Raising Dion. In the fourth episode of Raising Dion, the life-altering events surrounding Mark's past finally come into focus. Nicole struggles to give Dion his dream birthday, and Esperanza makes a discovery. Ryan, I ask you this. What is your dream birthday? My dream birthday is, going back to Adrian Vate and Watchmen, which we will always continue to do, uh, it is, uh, I'm there with some of my friends, but uh, it's a random, I don't, not all, just a random grouping of some. And they wheel out a birthday cake, a giant one with like a stripper in it, and it's a clone of me, and I'm naked. That does sound like your dream birthday. What is yours? Uh, I don't know, just like you, me, scotch, steak, cheersing, hugging. Oh, wait. Uh, is your birthday a day that ends in a Y, Mike? That's what we're doing every uh, night, baby. Uh, oh, yeah. Raising Dion. Uh, Raising Dion's. <laughs> it's on Netflix. <laughs> Coming up next is Batwoman. On last week's episode of Batwoman, Alice talks to Kate about what her life was like after the accident. Meanwhile, Mary and Catherine get in a fight, which makes it so Catherine ends up at Wayne Tower bugging Luke. Mike, I ask you this. Who's the family member, and let's get real here, that bugs you the most and why? Uh, It's probably Kate. I don't like family members who come and turn into terrorists and start blowing stuff up. No, of your family, idiot. Oh, Oh, it's it's probably my cousin Kate. I don't like... (laughs) She joined ISIS, and I'm not into it. All right. So now what I'm thinking is that you think Bat- the reason you don't watch Batwoman is because you think it is your family, and it's just it gets too real for yeah, you. Yeah, I'm not here for that. I need to escape. Uh, moment of your life for your family? Moment of my life for my family. Uh, fourth grade, Christmas morning. I opened up a present, and my mom's like, said yeah your stepdad got that for you isn't it great and i said it's from santa and she burst into tears and ran to the other room and as a kid who just discovered there's no santa i had to comfort my mom i i gotta say my i have heard tens of thousands of stories about your family but if i had only heard just that one i would still know everything i need to know about your family batwoman is on sunday nights on the cw uh, coming up next is Riverdale. This week on Riverdale, Archie's dealing with local businesses hating his community center. Betty and Kevin are taking junior FBI classes, which reveal Betty might have patterns of a serial killer. Veronica is defending her mom in court, and Jughead might take over ghostwriting for Riverdale's Hardy Boys. Taste Ryan, I ask you this. Has Riverdale built up enough that Betty is a serial killer to pull off this episode? And does the show <laughs> no. even need to? This was a weird episode because... Um, it was so, like, sort of, like, matter-of-fact and, like, nothing crazy happened until you realized that it was only crazy the entire time and we've just changed our bar for what can happen. And the fact that this was, like, a like mediocre episode of Riverdale is fucking insane. Right. 
I think that this episode of Riverdale has the serial killer gene, and I'm nervous about it. Is that a thing the show's referenced before? Because Betty's like, yeah, I know I have it. I don't care. Yeah, it has referenced it. Um, She's very nervous that she got uh, the wrong stuff from her dad. And we show that immediately, not just by her being able to pick out uh, which of the three Uh pictures are serial killers, and she does it with 100% accuracy, but... Also, at the same time, the professional FBI agent running the class is like, damn, you're good. You should be on the FBI because clearly you don't need any more training. Also, like, if you're, I, I guess I'll, I'll allow for a junior FBI class to exist, but don't jump into serial killer. Like, there, there really would be, like, here's how this course is going to work. Like, M- minute one, no syllabus. There's no, like, here's the rules of the classroom. Minute one, look at these three serial killers. Which one is it? I'm going to give you no information. He's not a good uh, teacher. Me- uh, meanwhile, uh, Betty is Betty's best friend uh, is much closer to a serial killer than Betty will ever be. Archie is running around with a mask and now a fake Batman voice and just saying like, hey, uh, superhero hour hour isn't just about comic books. It's about superheroes. I, I loved that he added the Batman voice, but it is crazy that he does look more like a burglar than the people he's stopping. <laughs> like, yes. He just has a black ski mask with high holes ripped out. He chases away um he chases away hubcap robbers from Sketch Alley. He runs down Sketch Alley and chases away them and then after they run away he uh leans over in full ski mask to then put the hubcap back on. Uh-huh. What do you think people are going to think about what you're doing right now, Arch? And earlier when we <laughs> he saves a woman being mugged by people also still in Sketch Alley. Uh, don't walk down Sketch Alley late alone, okay? Uh, and she maces him, and that was the funniest fucking thing. Because, yes, it just, to her, there's three people mugging her, and one didn't run away. Is there, like, a little brother syndrome with Sketch Alley about Crime Alley? Is Sketch Alley getting together saying, like, Crime Alley has been more dangerous for decades yeah. now. It's time for Sketch Alley yeah, to take Alley. over. I'm sick of these people drawing things haphazardly. And then in the meantime, we have uh, Veronica, a high school student, who is a, a lawyer, a basically the new like uh governor of the state uh bribing people running around has like actually legit really good ideas uh Mm -hmm. sketchy as they are crimey as they are about uh getting her mom out of jail and putting her dad in there why not just keep them both in jail right they're both bad people and i didn't realize she like got pops like the, the, the big drama here is uh Hiram found out pops made stuff up uh and so and now she's like well we gotta protect pops it's not his fault it's like I mean, he's still a 60-year-old man who went along with this teenager's totally illegal perjury scheme. No, yeah. He's a criminal and an idiot. He is both of those things. Don't let a 60-year-old buy your burger shop, Pops. We haven't mentioned this part yet, and then we have to go. Um, And I think this speaks to, like, just Riverdale in general. Um, Veronica has a secret spy uh, PI sister, Uh, Hiram's daughter, mm -hmm. um, and... We're just like it's like it's not a big deal. It's not like uh, dun dun dun. She's like, yeah, this is just every day in Riverdale, baby. You know, now there's uh, Betty D- isn't the only one with all these secret siblings. We all have them. <laughs> uh, they did do a DNA test on the sister. Uh, she is actually Veronica's sister and not a serial killer. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yes. Uh, Mike, your moment of the week. Uh, in the very in the beginning, uh, in Jughead's like uh, narration, he says, "They say every town gets the hero they deserve." Riverdale had Archie Andrews, which is the sickest burn for a town I have ever heard. <laughs> they don't deserve shit. I've got a couple. I've got uh, Riverdale loves uh, this like slightly uh, askew world where all 
uh, like famous things are just named slightly differently. Uh-huh. And my favorite one is it's the Baxter Brothers instead of the Hardy Boys, and then it's like uh, Trancy True uh, <laughs> for the other one, and then also it's just Sketch Alley. It's just like Sketch Alley. That that's the that's the askew one that I fucking love. <laughs> Sketch Alley, which should be like it would be way scarier if it was improv groups doing sketches, but no, it's because it's sketchy. Uh, I guess moment of the week, but at a certain point, does Skeet Orge get sick of being on the show and instead of acting, he just says boy every time he talks to Jughead? Yeah, boy, that didn't used to be there. <laughs> and yeah, it's he's either mad at Jughead because he's lying to him or mad at Jughead because he's coming clean about the lie that he told. <laughs> boy, I told you a lie and you just sat there and listened. You're the fuck up now. Uh, Riverdale is on Wednesday nights on CW. Uh, next, we're doing The Walking Dead. On last week's episode of The Walking Dead, supplies go missing from Hilltop. Meanwhile, Negan is idolized by Brandon. Mike, I ask you this. Is it surprising to you that Negan is still, far and away, the most popular character on this show and close to the most popular character on television? It certainly doesn't surprise me that he's popular on this show. When everybody has the same personality of Grey... Uh, the one person who has glimmers of anything is going to be magnetic to watch. It's going to be magnetic. Yeah, you can tell because anytime anybody's like, what kind of listen, uh, music do you listen to? Uh, just gray. Just gray music. Yeah. But Negan, he, I mean, I, I li- Jeffrey Dean Morgan is charming. He has a handsome smile. I like his facial hair. But uh, it's crazy that he's popular just in the realm of pop culture characters because there's so many good shows on right now. They're not people who are watching Walking Dead are not watching those shows. I remember reading Walking Dead and all the work that Kirkman put into not redeeming Negan, but just making it so like they wouldn't murder him mm-hmm. and they would eventually let him out of jail and sort of semi trust him. I mean, it was hundreds of issues. Right. And this show this show, like, yeah, Negan's weird. Like he'll hit like our friends with baseball bats, but he's fine. He's cool. He's cute. Walking Dead is on Sundays on AMC. Coming up next is Arrow. This week on Arrow, Mia, William, and Connor show up in the past and try to hide future details from past Team Arrow, because them the rules of time travel. Meanwhile, a mysterious Deathstroke is trying to stoke rage against the 1% of Star City by killing people and leaving annoying luxury videos. Taste Buds ask you this. What do you think is working more for the final season of Arrow? Leading up to Crisis or character moments wrapping up the show? I think that they're doing a pretty good job with character moments because there's far fewer than I thought there would be. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, what's his, what's the f- uh, friend from the first season? Tommy. Tommy's only come back once. That's pretty good for this show. That's you six less that than you- I assumed. <laughs> um, and then also too, it's just that like uh, the flashbacks and the flash forwards and the present are all combining, and that's not only do we get all like these pretty good character moments of all, like you know thirty one year old Ollie being a dad that he should be when he's like 40 or 50 but it also ends the flash forward yeah oh that's what we needed so that was golden but it's also like we we've hated the flash forwards more than we ever hated the flashbacks and the kids are pretty annoying but mixing it up with the old team i actually enjoyed all of it all the 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 william and ollie stuff hit so much harder than i thought it could and part of it is because that's a weird situation. It's almost like um, going to your own funeral, being uh-huh. able to talk to your uh, future son, like who is roughly the same age that you are, uh, is a crazy thing that I don't think we'll ever get to experience, but I don't know. We'll time travel, whatnot. Um, and also, William is now played by a pretty good actor mm-hmm. uh, instead of what we had in the past. Some random like PA's cousin, I guess. <laughs> I assume that's what kid William was. And I got to say that like when William comes out to his dad, 
uh, they they do they pull a pretty tropey move. It's not uh, fuck you, I hate you, uh-huh. you homo. And it's not like oh awesome, I love gay people. But it's 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 right in the middle of buddy. We know he, we we knew. He said yeah, buddy, which is so condescending. <laughs> yeah, buddy. I, okay, I, buddy. I know. And he, he calls him boomer at some point. Like he says, "Dad, I'm gay." He's like, "Okay, boomer." Yeah, um, but no, it was awesome that uh, there were no, I don't think, any gay hints for us mm. for uh, young, like ten year old William. But to have Ollie and Felicity still know and like be proud that he came to terms with it, you know, that yeah. William finally came to terms with it was it was an affecting moment. Another like Arrowverse MVP goes to Stephen Amell and always will is when. William is both telling him he's a millionaire mogul uh, and he's techie and all that. And then that he's gay and he's fine with it. And he's super happy. The, the stuff that's going on in Amel's face was yeah. crazy. This, I, I've always loved him since the beginning because of his abs, but I also think we watched the guy turn into a, a really good actor over eight years. Even when he, like the facial thing that he did was uh, like stick his tongue out and lick his entire face clean of cotton candy. Like Scooby-Doo did in the opening credits. You were down with that. Well, how would you react dealing with future kids? That's crazy. You don't know what your body's going to do in that moment. And Amel picks the perfect thing. That's exactly what would happen. And it's so much better that the, the tongue stays on Ollie's face than it does go on William's face. Because yeah. that is not the right reaction. No, no, no. That is gross. I do love the, the reactions to the kids. When they first, Ollie's just like dead-eyed confusion. He's, he's so beyond. Like what? He's now on a mission for a god he's trying to kill. So like he's just like, all right. And then John is so angry. He doesn't puke anymore and stuff. He's so furious that this is happening. Yeah. And then we have Mia, who uh, Ollie got no time uh, raising a teenager. It was like kids and then adults. And Mia's sort of in that rebellious teenager mode. And how they handle it, it seemed... Uh, at first, I thought it was bad writing, but I actually got into it. Uh, there are no rules for teenagers. Uh-huh. And so uh, they're like, where'd Mia go? Ollie was like, she, I, to- I tried to stop her, but she wanted to leave. Oh, well, then you have to just let her leave. Oh, uh, but I wanted her to stop. Oh, then you should have stopped her. Like, we have no idea how to deal with girls like Mia, you know? And also, she is an adult. What He's going to physically restrain this person he has no emotional attachment to, but is furious that he died before she could live. Like, it's complicated. Yeah. And uh, she, he's not going to fight her. She is ready to fight him. Oh, straight up. Like, and even if Ollie knows he's going to win, that's going to get a little brutal. Yeah. And, and, like, now he's just, like, he's very efficient. He wants to get it done. He's like, but maybe I shouldn't, like, break all the tibulas of this child. <laughs> right. <laughs> all seven of her tibulas. Of, the future's weird. My favorite Mia moment since we've met her is uh, they're convinced new the new Deathstroke is JJ, and they're trying to hide it from John for a while. But it's also like, oh, man, JJ just killed one of our friends. Right now he's a five-year-old. And somebody's like, well, we don't want to, like, kill a kid. And she's like, ah. Like, <laughs> she really thought about it for a second. That's the felicity in her, I think. Uh, which leads me to my moment of the week where uh, de- a whole team of Deathstrokes are coming in and they're on the, f- the, the ground floor. Deathstrokes are on the second story and they're, they've got their masks and they're acting all tough. Like, we're going to kill you. And then somebody says, like, stop, JJ. We know it's you. And then the lead Deathstroke just takes off his mask. He's like, what? Who's JJ? I don't even understand what you're talking about. Because they keep yelling, JJ, stop. Just, no, my name is Grant. You respect you- the Grant. <laughs> I did not go to two years of grant school to be called JJ. Mike, what's your moment of the week? My moment of the week. Uh, so Curtis is back because they need a tech person and Felicity's off contract. Uh, and Ollie's like, can you look this thing up for me? It's powerful enough to stop a god, which is what we're doing now. It's just like the CW is like, isn't it great? Like, that's what we're doing. 
We all know this is stupid. I also love that we all know that Felicity's not on the show, but still the actors or the characters in the show will be like, well, we should call Felicity. And everybody's like, no, no, don't do that. Why would we do that? Arrow is on Tuesday nights on the CW. Next up is Supergirl. On last week's episode of Supergirl, Cara and William team up and discover a terrorist plot. Meanwhile, Andrea Rojas is set to launch her VR contact lenses. Mike, I ask you this. What do you think those are? Uh, I think those are contact lenses that let you see every episode of VR Troopers at the same time when you put them on. Uh, but no like, vis- like vision of what you're walking into or oh, no, the no, world no. around you. No, that would be AR, augmented reality. VR contact are really going to fuck you up. You're just going to crash into traffic. But shouldn't it then, if it's VR, shouldn't it then put you into episodes of VR Troopers? Oh, I mean, it's, it's, it's Gen 1. Like, probably next gen will do that. Is VR Troopers the best sequel of uh, State... What was that movie? Super Troopers? Shit, sorry. Yes. Uh, Supergirl <laughs> is on Sundays on The CW. Coming up next is Daybreak. Uh, in the third episode of Daybreak, we learn more about Angelica. She takes over narrating in a grading kid version of Goodfellas, spouting how she wants to be a gangsta, hard A, numerous times because mobs are families. While we're getting flashbacks of her being a little drug via slime overlord of Glendale, Joss has gangrene and crumble ties him up to protect him. Taste buds, I ask you this. In the post-apocalyptic Wheel of Roulette, what's your guess what the show references this week? Oh, man. I, 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 I zoned out, and I thought we were talking about Raising Dion, and I thought somebody on Raising Dion got gangrene, and it's just it's not a fucking disease that we see anymore. Like, second to leprosy, right. where's all the people with gangrene? Well, when you try to cut off your own hand because you think you'll turn into a zombie, but that's not the rules here, you're going to get gangrene. That, this, this uh, It was like a minor subplot of this episode. Uh, Crumble, who is the half-adult ghoulie, uh, who can sort of talk, she ties Josh up and he thinks he's going to eat her, but it's she finds a bunch of maggots, feeds his hand to the maggots so they clean up all the disease stuff because she wants blood, but she has enough wherewithal. Their whole plot and all of that, it, it should be her show. I want to see Crumble's new adventures. I mean, are we at this point, are we thinking that like I, I can't wait to see what they have figured out with the different kinds of monsters in this show? Or are we, they have no idea just like I have no idea. That's what it is. It's they have no idea, just like I have no idea. The, the new post-apocalyptic uh, influence was uh, direct Why the Last Man. We, we meet like the Glamazons, or they used to be cheerleaders, and now they're trying to go kill every male they see because uh, men ruined everything, so now they're going to kill all men. Uh, and a line that worked for me out of a teenager's mouth, she's like, time is really motherfucking up, right before she tries to kill Wesley Fists. <laughs> Which is true. I love when ideas don't come from, like, uh, I don't know, creativity, but when you realize that two words, that you can make a portmanteau. Uh-huh. And then, then an idea just comes from that. That Somebody was like, glam? Amazon? Glamazon. Uh, is this it for you, or what are we, we going to keep going? Oh, I mean, it's on earlier before other shows are, because it's just all out there. But now that we have ended the fuck, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I like what's, I don't know. Uh a moment that my moment of the week is uh, we got some more Turbo, who's like the Mad Max king. Uh, he got the king nerd to dress up like his dad, and he has to read off of big cue cards things that his dad used to say to him, but they're all just shitty, like, just do it. Like, pain is just weakness leaving your body, and the nerd is trying to survive. Uh, while so it's all boomer shit? It, huh? It's all, it's all boomer, boomer shit. shit. It's all boomer shit. And the nerd's like, this is so dumb. And, and Turbo like growls at him. But eventually he's like, yeah, my dad wasn't there for me. And they like have this really meaningful talk about their dads while one person can only grunt. And they have a hug. And it's super emotional. And then Turbo just 
thumbs down and the guy dies and falls in a spit of spikes. All that was super funny. Do you know why you're sticking to the show? Why? You're doing 14-year-old Micah service. <laughs> like, this would be his favorite show of all time, and you're just doing it for him. He fucked you with credit card debt. You're helping him out by watching this show. <laughs> That's how our relationship works. Daybreak is on Netflix all the time. Next up is The Flash. On last week's episode of The Flash, Cisco learns of a shocking murder on like his first day of being the leader of Team Flash. Meanwhile, Killer Frost is on the hunt for the dangerous Ramsey Brasso. Mike, I ask you this. Barry Allen becomes barely Allen, as in barely in this episode. Does that make it more or less enticing? I would, I would consider going back to watch that episode. Because he lectures like Ollie lectures, but has not earned the right. Like, he so rarely gets it right. And on Arrow, Ollie has earned the right, and people are still like, shut up, like, to his face. Shut the fuck up, dude. Nobody cares. Barry's a whole different thing. Yeah, nobody tells him to shut up, and maybe people should. And I just, in general, like we were talking about with Watchmen and the Lindelof thing of focusing an entire episode on a character we have not met yet. Mm -hmm. I like little episodes that do something different, Right. you know? I don't know if it was good, but it, it is more enticing to me. The Flash is on Tuesday nights on the CW. Finally, my God, stumped down. When Dex's ex, a famous musician, comes to town for a performance, Dex must protect her from a stalker. Greg continues to receive the cold shoulder from Dex, and Tukey and Lieutenant Cosgrove develop a new friendship. Taste buds, I ask you this. What's your favorite flavor of coffee? Man, uh, before I get to that, and I definitely will, uh, I got to say that your writing there... And I know that was off the top of your head, uh, and maybe it was the characters' names in the show, but that was some that you had some flow going on there. Like we could have put a backbeat towards the first half of that uh, paragraph. It's the early on internal rhyme of Dex's X, right? And that just sets you up that, for uh, it's, it's it's impossible to not flow after that. Yeah, I think you just surpassed Biggie as the greatest rapper of all time. Thank you. Uh, my favorite flavor of coffee is I used to ten years ago, let's say. Uh, dabbling them all i used to have like a 24 word starbucks order and now i all of it makes me sick and i just want black coffee that's the sign of maturity i think where you're just like nope just give me that sweet sweet caffeine i order all of the food and drinks that i order i order uh as if i was wolverine (laughs) so it's just black coffee bub and i'm out and then you try to claw around their chins but not put the little claw do you have a thing that like entices you uh, I like I like espresso, so I guess also fla- espresso with some almond milk because my tummy gets sick with real milk. But not because you like the flavor. That's just tummy protection, right? That's tummy protection. And uh, espresso, is it, does that taste different than black coffee? Yeah, it's like super coffee. And co- I also think uh, part of growing up is uh, coffee is a lot like liquor in that um, the older you get, the more you like it to taste shitty. Right. You know? Yeah, I need it. it's no more sugar. Get your sugar out of your whiskey. Now just give me that coffee. Because, <laughs> yeah, I would do a whiskachino and uh, pound that with all the, the whipped cream. <laughs> and now I just I, I want to take a sip of whatever I'm drinking and feel it in every part of my body. Mm-hmm. Every fucking capillary just buzzing a little. <laughs> Sweet. Mike, Stumptown is on ABC on Wednesdays. We did it. That was 13 motherfucking shows. That's the record. That's our limit. Mike, could you real quick tell us about uh, Parasite? And I'm not talking about the hit new movie. I'm talking about two websites. Uh, Parasites, you could go to ryourpopfilter.com, where everything we make lives, or patreon.com slash yourpopfilter, where even more stuff we make lives for a price. You said pip filter? Pip filter. 
Okay, it's pop filter. Oh, I thought it was all about Gladys Knight and her backing band. What's the other one? I, I did I did your pop oh I guess your pop slash Amazon is another way you can support us. Uh shop your normal way, but this time it helps us. Fuck Jeff Bezos. Could you do a third website? Uh Twitter.com. Nope. I guess is where you could go for tweets. Keep guessing, keep guessing. Let's just do the apps. Facebook.com slash your pop. Nope, 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 nope. Third website that isn't social media. Well, it's a type of social media. Uh contact at yourpopfilter.com is not a website but it's how you can email us starts with a p <laughs> parasite.com <laughs> i love when you test out your letters <laughs> i just want to know that's the right one do you want me to talk about patreon ryan yes i do uh here's the thing our listeners were listening while i was talking so heard me do that already while you Shut were zoning up, out so you didn't <laughs> all right go ahead and do amazon then i've done that uh, did you do contact at your pot filter is how you email us. Twitter, follow us at your pot filter. Um, Facebook, I don't think we care about anymore. Instagram, we're about to start caring about. We don't have a Dr. Robot anymore. Uh, listen to our other shows, please. Go to your podcatcher of choice and rate and review Movie of the Year, where we go over all of the movies that have ever been made. I think we're the only movie podcast on the internet. And of course, the OCD, where Mike and I talk about TV that fucking matters. Watchmen, you think you're a good show? Oh, you got a lot to learn, buddy. You're a piece of shit compared to the OC. Is that it? That's it. We did it all? We did it all. Are you going to start? Did you do Amazon? Yeah. Are you going to start sing-song some bullshit and we pretend? No, no, no. I, I will after I do this. Next week, guys, we are focusing on Riverdale because we haven't yet, and that is weird. And two, uh, Archie gets a sidekick, and it's someone that you would least expect. Who would you most expect? I guess I would most expect Jughead. <laughs> or Dick Grayson. Uh, no, this is Bruce Wayne's little kid. Damien? He gets yeah. Damien Wayne. That, that is unexpected for sure. For Mike, I'm Ryan. For Ryan, I'm Mike. For Mike, I'm Ryan. I'm Ryan. I'm Mike. I'm Mike. I'm Ryan. I'm Ryan. I'm Mike. I'm Mike. I'm Ryan. I'm Ryan. I'm Mike.